Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. My guest today is Byron Morrison of Tailored Lifestyles. He's an author and lifestyles coach out of the United Kingdom, calling all the way from there. We're so excited to have him on the show today. He's a return guest. And Tailored Lifestyles offers health, nutrition, and weight loss coaching, helping people take back their health and become the best versions of themselves. Today, his topic will be New Year's resolutions and why they just don't work. I'm excited to have you on again. Byron, thank you for being on. Hey, thanks for having me back. Well, this is terrific. I know we have a lot to go over today, and being that it's the new year, I love your topic of New Year's resolutions. Um, We'll get started in a moment, but we like to have our guests tell a little bit about themselves, and for those that didn't hear your first um, show last year with me, can you start with that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll just tell you a bit about my story again. Um, If I go back a few years, um, I used to have no interest in health or fitness. I was pretty overweight, did no exercise. And to be honest, I was pretty stressed out with work and had huge issues dealing with everything from my relationships with food to the ups and downs of everyday life. Um, Then I kind of got thrown into a circumstance where my dad was diagnosed with bowel cancer. And I watched him go through all the treatment, which ended in 25 days where he was in the ICU. He had most of his bowel surgically removed. And a lot of that process, he was on a life support machine with a tracheostomy. So seeing him go through all of that was very much the wake-up call that I needed because at the time he was working 14-hour days, did no exercise, had a high-sugar diet, and I very much saw what I would be like in the future if I didn't change my ways. So that was kind of the shock that I needed to take back my health and start focusing on making changes. And from there, I started learning about everything I could about health, nutrition, changing habits and behaviors. That was the inspiration behind my book and why I now work with people at the start of their journey. Because if I look back a few years, I know exactly how difficult it is to get started. And I made many of the same mistakes that people are making today. Well, I've um, read that you said the truth is I never even realized how bad I felt until I finally started to feel better. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things when we're kind of stuck in that rut and those situations, For me, anyway, I didn't even realize that I felt bad. Every day was just kind of a constant struggle trying to get through the day. And it's only now looking back that I can actually recognize how low on energy I was, how miserable and moody and just down on life. And I think with so many people I come in contact with, they're stuck in that reality that they just I don't even know how to escape from it. So it's just really getting started. We talked about that last year. Um, but your wake-up call was with your, your dad and his um, illness, right? Yeah. For, for me, I think it was a bit differ, different for me as opposed to other people. Because a lot of people, we think, oh, we need to lose weight. We need to start uh, focusing on our health. But with how busy we are, we just don't really find the time. Whereas I was thrown into a situation where I was just saw a glimpse of my future 
And I very much realized if I don't make these changes now, that's exactly what's going to happen to me. So I was kind of forced into that self-realization, which luckily most people don't have that wake up call. But at the same time, we do need to all start thinking about our health. Because that, that reality can become our future can become what happens to us. Absolutely. And um, we should get on the, the topic today of New Year's resolutions and why they don't work. So I want to know why my news, New Year's resolution is not going to work. I think at, we all kind of approach the end of the year. We go binge and we overindulge and we drink too much and stay up too late. And we kind of put it off till January 1st saying that now's the time that we're actually going to make changes and we're going to do something about it. But the problem is the changes that we try and initiate are what we think we should be doing, whether that's losing weight, start exercising, stopping smoking, or cutting out certain foods. But the problem is they're all short-term fixes, and they're often based on other people's expectations, what they've told us that we should be doing, and they're not actually what we want to be doing. So yes, while we might have some motivation to go through with them for a week or two, as soon as times get a bit tough or we've had a long day or we just stop enjoying it, we kind of backtrack and fall off the wagon. And then over time, we just lose any motivation that we did have for it. Right. And you said the hardest part is just getting started. And um, I like that you have three just very basic rules is um, start walking, um, adding vegetables to every meal and drinking more water. Yeah, exactly. Because, if you start with building a solid foundation, you can then take small, gradual steps from there. Because the biggest problem with New Year's resolutions is often they're all about huge, grand gestures and overhauling your entire life, which it's just like dieting. It just doesn't work because it's not maintainable long term. So I think if you are going to try and change anything, try and set out a plan, work out the end goal, and then work out the exact steps that you need to take in order to get there. I think that's the easiest way to make lasting change. Because by approaching it in that manner, it's not daunting or overwhelming. And just by, by put, slowly pushing your comfort zones and progressing towards your goal, if you do fall off track, it's easy to get back on. Whereas if you say, oh, I want to lose 100 pounds, it's an extremely daunting concept. Whereas if you set yourself a goal of, I want to lose a pound a week, if one week you don't lose that much weight or you only lose half a pound, it's, it's still an achievement. Or if you kind of haven't reached your goal, it's not the end of the world. Whereas if you keep thinking, oh, I haven't got anywhere near my goal this week and I'm not progressing, it's just hugely stressful. And it's just something that we can't cope with, with how much pressure there is in everyday life as there is, as it is. Right. Um, one of the most important things are that I like uh, and some of what I've read about you, you, and I think I quoted this last time, and I think it's really important to all of us who um, want to live a healthier lifestyle. You said you need to stop fixating on the end result because at the end of the day, if it takes three months or a year to reach your goal, then who cares? As long as you manage to stay there, then that's all that matters. And the time it takes is a minor trade-off for the years spent bouncing from one fad diet to another. That was really key for me in reading that. No, exactly. And I think if we go back to New Year's resolutions, that's one of the biggest problems again, is we kind of just put it off and we say, oh, from 1st of January, suddenly everything in our life is going to be different. And suddenly we're going to change who we are and our behaviors. And it just doesn't work like that. And we kind of use putting it off as justification for our actions in the moment. Because I don't know 
how you were over Christmas, but I, I know I certainly did it thinking, oh, I'll overindulge now because that's what we're meant to be doing. And we kind of take mm-hmm. advantage of the moment. And then we kind of think in, in two weeks time, I'll suddenly have all the internal motivation to go through with it and everything will be different. And I think if you don't have a solid base of healthy habits, you just keep putting it off and it just makes it so much harder to get started. And that's why if you have all these huge resolutions, you just need to strip them back and instead focus on small, healthy habits because that's going to be what's maintainable long-term. Right, and it's over the long-term that's most important. And so we're into the new year, and we need to get rid of the New Year's resolution idea and live a healthy lifestyle long-term, looking at our long-term goals. And then the other thing that we need to get rid of is I'm going to start again on Monday because I've done that in the past. In fact, I'm back to doing that now. So that is kind of the same thing as a, the new, new Year's resolutions. It, we should change every day, not just on Mondays, right? Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things. We put it off till Monday, but then when Monday comes, there's always something else. There's something mm-hmm. else we've committed to, some other pressure, some other thing that's come up on the day that just in the moment makes us not want to go through with it. So that's why we really need to just decide yes, I want to do this, and I'm going to start doing it now. Because by putting it off, there's no motivation, no commitment, and no accountability to keep you to it when Monday mm-hmm. comes. Then you're just hoping that on that day you're going to wake up and think, yes, today's the day. And while it may be, chances are, even if you do it, it's going to be short-lived at best. Right. It's it's um, going to be a lifestyle as you've um, been telling us. And you also said there's more to health than what you eat and how much you move or exercise. The importance of rest, recovery, and managing stress is key. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. I found when I was writing my book, um, because initially it started out as just a diet book, like trying to teach people about proper nutrition and a healthy way of eating. And as I was doing my research, I kind of realized that even though we're told that we need to be like focusing on what we eat and how much we move, there's actually far more to the picture because many of us overlook everything from our mindset to how much rest, recovery we get, and the impact that stress has on our health. Because if I use myself as an example, a few years ago when I was overweight and struggling with the ups and downs in everyday life, a large part of it was due to how stressed I was. And that was just clouding my judgment. It was affecting my sleep. And I was starting to get into the gym, but I wasn't recovering properly from my workouts. My cortisol levels were through the roof, and that made mm-hmm. me moody, irritable. And it just was an overwhelming factor that I didn't even know had an influence on my health. Because I think the biggest problem is there's nothing glamorous about telling someone that they need to find ways to rest more. Because you get all these diet books and exercise programs, and it's easy to spin it and make people believe that they need it. Whereas it's not a sexy idea to tell someone, oh, you need to just step back a little bit, give your body a break and let your mind recover and just get more sleep, take time to just let yourself breathe. I think that's one of the biggest Mm -hmm. things that we just don't do on a day-to-day basis. We're just constantly on the go and just burning the candle at both ends and and inevitably just takes a toll on our health. Oh, absolutely, and and managing stress is so important. And can you um, 
talk to us about the cortisol levels? You mentioned that, and I've read a little bit here and there, but I tend to get a little confused about that. Can you talk about that to our audience and explain how that affects our, our stress and our weight gain, and especially for females in their midsection? Yeah, sure. Well, basically, when we have elevated cortisol levels, which is often brought on through a lack of, well, through too much stress, a lack of sleep, we're very much putting our body into fight and flight mode, which is just our body's response to at times where it deems ourselves as under attack. And this was fine hundreds of years ago when we were trying to scavenge for food and trying to fight and survive and during times of war and famine. Whereas in the modern day and age, our society has kind of evolved, whereas our bodies haven't. So it's still our go-to response. And in small doses, such as when we're exercising, there's nothing wrong with it. But when we're putting our body through it each and every day, it becomes a huge problem. Because with elevated cortisol levels, and when you're in fight or flight mode, your body's functions actually shut down because they divert all the different functions to what's actually needed. So this can affect everything from our immune system to our hormones and insulin responses. And this can cause weight gain, uh, insomnia, and make you more likely to get sick, your body's ability to fight off disease. And it just causes a huge load of imbalances. Because back when my cortisol levels were, like, off the, uh, were absolutely elevated, I was taking a couple of hours to fall asleep every night. Even when I did fall asleep, I was never asleep for more than an hour. It was affecting how I managed stress. I felt like my energy levels were fluctuating massively throughout the day and it affected my mindset, my focus. And it's just one of those things we massively overlook how much of an influence it actually has on our health. Right. And do you have any tips for us on how to get a better night's sleep? The one thing that I found really worked well for me, and I've got a lot of my clients to kind of initiate, is is putting a policy where you'll turn off all electronic devices 30 to 60 minutes before bed. Because that simple action has a huge impact on your mind shutting down. Because I used to find with me personally that I'd always be checking social media and emails and everything else right up until I was trying to go to fall asleep. And as soon as something came through, that would put my mind straight back into work mode. And then I'd be lying in bed endlessly thinking about what I did that day, what was on my to-do list, what I had to do the next day. And I could never kind of just relax. So I found that in itself is a hugely freeing action that's simple and anyone can do. And that as well just mm-hmm. helps you initiate sort of a nighttime routine because at the end of the day, that email or that social media status is still going to be there in the morning. Whereas if you can actually allow yourself to take a bit of a break, you'll wake up far more refreshed and ready for the day's events. So while in the moment it may seem important, if you think about it properly, it really isn't and for a lot of people, that one change is a big focus that they need to concentrate on because at, at first it is a bit of a challenge because we're so obsessed with being on our phones and tablets constantly. And that just break for half an hour every night could be exactly what you need, especially if you're busy and constantly on the go and feel like you don't have time to rest and relax, whereas that is when you could make that time. I think that's a big um, deal with our stress levels is our our sleep, as you said. And then I read just recently is just, and this seems so easy, is just plug your your phone to charge in another room rather than right next to your bed, which is where mine is. Yeah, I think that's great. It's just 
one of those things that even throughout the night, if we wake up to go to the toilet, we're tempted to check oh, if any emails come in, have we got any messages? And again, that can wake us up and just put us straight back into work mode. And it's just a rinse repeat of never being able to get out of it. And it's just, we kind of need to find a way to disassociate ourselves from our devices for the time that we go to bed. I think that's so important because that can affect oh, everything I, I from think... weight, weight gain to sleep and, Oh, absolutely. And then let's talk about recovery from, and you're referring to recovering after probably exercising. Do you have any tips regarding that? I'm actually not just referring to exercise. I think for your everyday person as well, who's not engaging in heavy exercise, recovery can also apply to working long, extensive hours where they're feeling burnt out. Um, and I think it applies to all of that. But on exercise behalf, it is just finding ways to make sure that you sleep more, that you're providing your body with the nutrients it requires. And that all comes hand in hand with the cortisol levels, which is the first step if you do want to try and lower your cortisol levels to make sure you don't have any nutrient deficiencies. If you are exercising, make sure that you're not doing too much because that in itself can be a hugely negative aspect on your recovery, your sleep, and how you feel. Because, it, again, it goes back to... People think, oh, if a bit of exercise is good, then more must be better. But our bodies can only take so much damage and then they can't recover properly. So often we need to strip it back, let them properly recover, let the muscles heal, let injuries heal and recover as well, and then get back on track. Because a lot of people just go full steam ahead and they'll spend like 10 hours a week in the gym. And it's just not a feasible amount of time for the body to repair itself from the damage done. Oh, right. And um, I found, too, that um, I used to teach uh, exercise classes. And sometimes I was, you know, while I was doing it with the women, I found that it was stressful for me. And so I had read a little bit about cortisol levels and stress, even though this kind of goes with what you're saying, even though I was exercising, I was still stressed at the same time. So you have to find something if you're going to do exercise that's relaxing for you, right? Yeah, exactly. If you're really stressed, then exercise is great. Like the fact that it has on your cortisol, and your hormones, and just general mood, it can be a hugely freeing experience that you can kind of use as an outlet to get rid of negative emotions. But I found back when I was really stressed and struggling, I kind of threw myself into the gym. I was going six days a week, spending two hours a day just working out. And it was kind of my release of what I used to try and, as an outlet for everything else I was going through on a, a day-to-day basis. But the problem with that is I was just pushing it too hard and I wasn't progressing in the gym because I was exhausted. I stopped enjoying my workouts and it affected everything, like I said, with my sleep and my mood and outlook on life. So if you are in that situation, there's so many different things that you can do with everything from yoga to light stretching or meditation, which maybe not, not meditation, but yoga and stretching can actually burn a surprising amount of calories and be extremely relaxing. And that in turn, if you're struggling with sleeping or recovering from exercise, if you implement them into your routine, they can have a knock-on effect of impacting everything else in a positive manner. Right. Um, Let's get to what you eat and what would you call a healthy lifestyle with regards to diet? Can you give us some tips? To be honest, I think it comes down completely to the individual and what foods you enjoy eating and what works for you. 
because I'm not a big fan of saying, oh, you should be going low carb or low fat, because the reality is everyone's bodies respond differently. So for me, I like to have a balanced diet where I'm getting a good amount of uh, high protein, a good amount of healthy fat and complex carbohydrates. And for anyone I work with, I try and aim for them to get 80% of their food from healthy, nutritious, whole food sources, making sure that at every meal they're having a serving of protein, fats, and carbs, and then 20% of what they have can come from anything else that they want. And I found with anyone, if they kind of approach in that manner, they kind of don't get cravings as much. It's easier to keep their willpower up, and they can also get all the nutrients that they require. Because with far too many people, they're not eating anywhere near enough fruits and vegetables, so they're facing nutrient deficiencies on a daily basis, which is having a knock-on effect with their cortisol levels, how much rest and recovery they get, how well they're able to sleep. So it's all about balance at the end of the day because some people respond to a higher fat diet better, some will respond better to high carb. So it's just all about being mindful and learning to see what your body tells you and how it responds. Yeah, and I love that you um, look at that on an individual basis because I think that is true, and that's the 80-20 rule, 80% sensible diet and 20% of what you might want to eat. That's that's key because when we take something away, we're going to crave it, correct? Yeah, exactly. I, we spoke about this last time with dieting. It's just At the end of the day, dieting is all about restriction, and that's why it doesn't work because from a psychology point of view, as soon as you tell yourself you can't have something, you just want it more. And that causes you to crave and obsess and fixate over it until you eventually snap when you can't take anymore. And that's why it's so important that instead we look to make maintainable changes. Because if you go into a diet or an exercise program or anything else in your life already not wanting to do it, there's no way that's going to last. And if we go back to what we spoke about first with resolutions, that's one of the biggest issues with them. Because we don't want to do it, but we feel like we have to. And that's why it's a short-term fix to what is essentially a long-term problem. Oh, that's so um, right on, is maintainable changes and the bigger picture. And if it's going to take three months to a year, then let it take three months to a year because you're going to be better off at the end of that time than you were when you started. Um, Let's talk about your book. And you mentioned also, too, I read recently that you're working on a second book, but your first book, Become a Better You. Can you tell our guests about that book? Yeah, sure. The book is all about helping the reader go on a journey of self-realization when they move away from wanting to diet and jump into the latest trends and instead find their why. So I think one of the biggest problems with making changes is we look for superficial reasons, such as wanting to look good in on the beach or impress other people, whereas deep down we need to find our internal motivation and that can be anything from making sure you're still around in 20 years for your kids, mm-hmm. make, what, finding ways that, to feel confident and not depressed and that like your partner still finds you attractive like they used to. And we've all got at the, our own pain points and what actually drives us. So if we can uncover that, that internal motivation is going to be what helps us get started on our journey. So the book takes the reader on the, through this process and goes through everything from how to put together a balanced diet to ways to develop healthier habits. Um, I've divided it into what I call the four pillars of health. So pillar one's mindset and managing stress and the importance of having goals and what, what pushes us forward as people. And chapter two is looking at how to become more active in a way that works for you. 
So it's trying to change the reader's perception of what exercise is all about. And it's not about huge, grueling workouts. And it can be mm-hmm. fun and enjoyable. And you can find something that works for you. Then I look at rest and recovery and ways to fit into your routine, regardless of how busy you are. And then finally, it comes on to the basics of nutrition, how to put together a balanced diet, and then looks at everything from how to eat healthy on a budget and clearing up myths about food. And then the end of the book, it pulls it all together and it helps the reader put together a tailored journey about the goals and habits that they want to change and then helps them build on it week by week. So it's not overhauling everything from day one. And instead, it's making maintainable changes in a way that isn't daunting or overwhelming. So it's very much based around the help and advice I wish was available to me back when I was struggling to get started. Yeah. You know, let me ask you that, too, because I don't re- I don't recall from our, our first interview. How did you get started? Did you do it on your own or did you seek help? I did on my own. I t- that's why it took me so much longer than it should have. I kind of mm-hmm. just decided one day that after I saw what happened to my dad, that I needed to do something about it. And I was tired of dieting and just doing all these workouts in the gym that I hated and I wasn't getting anywhere. So I sat down and decided that I wanted to learn as much as possible about the way that the body functions and about proper nutrition and lifestyle choices and changing habits. So I think I went a bit too far with it which was essential for the book and what I wanted to do going forward I think your average person doesn't need to go that far in regards to the amount of information that they need to consume because for me it involves very much hours every day reading scientific studies and looking at documentaries and other authors and people that have had success and along with people who failed and trying to work out why we do and just putting something together from that that actually works Right. And for people like myself and our listeners, we can then go to an expert like you, you know, based on all your your time spent um, researching and studying. Um, I love that. And I love how your book takes us through kind of a methodical journey on finding our why, as you mentioned it. And then what is do you have plans for your second book and what that uh, title will be? Yeah, well, um, my plan for the next couple of months is, I said to you before, that I'm launching an eight-week course based around my first book, and that's going to get people all the accountability, the guidance and support that they need. And they're going to be doing it at the same time as a group of other people. So everyone's taking every step of the journey at the same time, which I think will be great because there'll be a big interactive community of people helping each other. And there's a follow-up for that. like with my initial idea where I wanted to do a diet book, my plan is to actually, I've started a cookbook, which is going to be doing something different to any other cookbook that I've seen out on the market. And it's going to be all about healthy, sustainable meals using similar ingredients. Because my biggest problem with most cookbooks out there is they've filled with thousands of different ingredients that your right. average home cook hasn't even heard of and doesn't know what to do with. So instead, I've designed this around uh, the ingredients that I use on a weekly basis. Because with what I've got in my fridge, when I get home, I can make anything from a pasta to stir fry, a healthy pizza, burger, all based around similar things. And then through the cookbook, I'm going to tie it in, showing the reader different ingredients that they can substitute in and out, depending on their likes, dislikes, if they want it spicier or use different spices or what they have available to them. So 
again, I just want to do something completely different that puts the reader in control of their own journey and teaches them more about how to put together healthy, nutritious meals and showing them it's not all about gourmet cooking or endless hours in the kitchen. And it can actually be an fun, enjoyable experience that can work for anyone. That's perfect because I've started (laughs) diets where I had to, you know, go take a big list to the store and spend $200 just to make the, the, um, you know, the dishes. And that's perfect. We should have everything available, um, what we're used to eating in our refrigerator. So we're not going to have to just binge on something that's unhealthy. I love that. Um, I would like you to tell our listeners how to get a hold of you. I would invite them also to get on social media. He's got a great um, website called tailoredlifestyles.co.uk, and I'll let you um, direct our res- our, the rest of our listeners to how to get a hold of you on social media for that eight-week course. Yeah, great. Um, all the information is available on my website, like you said, tailoredlifestyles.co.uk. And on there, you can find more information of the eight-week course called Eight Weeks to a Better You. And uh, last year, you actually took part in it. I ran a seven-day challenge. So I thought with all of the New Year's resolutions, I'd do one again, a lot bigger and better this time. So for anyone listening who is saying resolutions for themselves and actually wants to make maintainable changes, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be launching a free online challenge on Facebook where every day I'm going to be posting videos and teaching you how to develop healthier habits and how to move away from dieting and just make changes that help you not only look better, but also feel better. So if that's something you want to find out about, again, go on tailoredlifestyles.co.uk and you can sign up for free on there. And the only thing that's going to be required is that you have a Facebook account and join the Facebook group. So I'm happy to to anyone listening as well if you have any questions about anything related to dieting or weight loss or health feel free to just send me an email and contact me through my site well i'd invite our listeners to do that he's got a wonderful as i said um facebook page um i'm looking forward to the to the new challenge and i'll be signing up and you can find him just by typing in on a search byron morrison b-y-r-o-n morrison with two r's thank you so much for being on the show again it's been such a pleasure byron oh thanks for having me on it was good to speak to you again okay great i'm looking forward to the next couple times you're going to be on here in 2017 so have a great day thank you so much and happy new year thank you byron Ladies, I am so happy that you tuned in today and learned from our amazing, fantastic female guests, and I hope you recognize this as an opportunity to pass their knowledge on to your daughters and friends and share the wisdom of the ages. I'll talk to you again soon, and in the meantime, let's lift each other up, spread the love, and share an attitude of gratitude. You've been listening to the Tell Janice Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, Or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.telljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice. How do you help business owners think differently about their businesses? Well, uh, you know, I think that there's a range of business owner, right? So, and I provide a couple of different services. On the, on the coaching and consulting side of my business, I think that's what I truly do is, is I help 
to educate. I think that's the key word, educate business owners on both their opportunities as well as I open their eyes up to what they need to commit to. Uh, certainly when it comes to a personal brand uh, and certainly when it comes to their own business if, if it's a smaller business, right? So, right. you know, I, I educate them on their opportunities. I help them to uncover and really visibly see, you know, who their target audience is online, what their online behaviors are, how to engage them in an authentic way, which is not a piece of cake. You know, it's not like what I'm talking about, steps one, two, and three. It actually does take time, effort, and uh, it takes listening. And that's really what social media was born on, which was data mining. So for business owners, um, and that's why I'm launching on my on my back end of my site um, starting in October I'm launching from October through about let's say January February six different courses all kind of crash courses all very much for smaller business owners or you know business owners that have small businesses that are growing so that's you know I think a small business owner versus someone that is either a mid-market decision maker or I've worked with enterprise level C-levels um, and their education is much, much different. You know, they've been in the game right. for a while. They're probably not seeing results and um, it's really about helping them to identify, you know, like for example, I've worked with many manufacturing companies who've been doing business in a great way for a really long time in an old school kind of what I call like boys network of selling but haven't used the web. So they need to think in a different way, um, but still leverage their own business processes. Can you share a little bit about yourself to our guests? Sure. So once upon a time, I was a physical therapist and I had a few bright ideas. So before I knew it, I became an entrepreneur. And over the course of time, I had three fabulous companies and each one of them grew exponentially.